Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Coach Josh from Official. Welcome you guys out, guys and gals out, to another What Should I Do Wednesday, an opportunity for you guys and gals to ask me whatever questions that you may have. And from my engagement with God and from my experience and from the exegesis of the text, I'll be able to uh, answer your question the best of my God-given ability, anything I can't answer. Um, the good thing is God knows the answer. So if you're watching live, do a big favor and share this broadcast. What's going on? What's going on? Daytony, Elizabeth, what's going on? Hope you guys and gals are doing exceptionally well. If you're watching live, share this broadcast out to as many people as you can. If you're watching this later on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, what's going on? Uh, uh, listening later on any one of my podcasting streams, just want to say thank you all for listening. Feel free. Um, if you're new to my channel, subscribe, hit the bell, all that good stuff, and, and be prepared to grow spiritually for God's optimal use. So I'm going to give you guys and gals an opportunity to post your questions. How long are you going to be live and be on live for about a good hour? I, I'm going to do an hour. Okay, I won't forget your question. Thank you for reminding Adrian. I'll make sure I email you today. I won't forget your question. God bless you all. Hope you all are doing exceptionally well. Let's get the questions going. I'm ready. So let's get right to it. But for those who are watching, just want to say thank you all again. Uh, make sure you check the links below, IamUnplugged.com, for everything that you need to know about me, one-on-one coaching, books, resources, card games, all that good stuff. Make sure you check out and see how many resources I can offer you to be able to help you with your walk with the most high. Any questions, Mr. Spacey? Any questions? Can you have an improper soul tie to a parent? There we go. I can ask you a question right here. Yes, you can have improper soul tie to a parent, especially when it comes to them having such a dominant uh, um, um, control over your decision making. Um, a lot of children, a lot of us grow up with, uh, I call them the first attachments. I mean, the first attachments is is to our parents, that whether they were good parents or bad parents, what they did or what they didn't do drastically affects our decision making in life. And so what happens is, is that since they have, they, since they was our first attachment, our first influence, Typically for young ladies, their, their father's voice or the absent father's voice plays a major role in their lives. And the same for young men. And so what happens is a lot of children grow up hoping to hear what they may never hear. And anytime you become attached to the possibility of a parent's uh, opinion or, or the pressures of a, a parent's opinion, then it's going to dictate the patterns you have in your life. And that's very important for us all to make sure that our Heavenly Father is the supreme foundational uh, 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 anchor um, to our souls, because if not, we will be living life, wasting time, wasting years, hoping to hear something, hoping to be hoping that they will uh, <clears throat> make amends for something. And then we could be prisoners to what may never happen. And when you become a prisoner, what may not happen or what um, could be that may happen, but that may but, but may not happen according to what you desire. You're going to be drastically affected. Now, to answer your second question, Adriana, how do you change that? First off, you have to transfer um, um, oh, well, let me put it this way. You have to look at exactly, you got to ask yourself, what do I want from this parent? What words, what validation do I want from this parent? Then you have to question yourself and say, why do I need this? If, if, if that, if that person is the sole person that can meet that need, then you are setting yourself up for failure. God has to be the replacement. Right now, I don't care what anyone has done in my life, parent, friend, or foe, or whoever. They, I, I disconnected myself from them because I, I allowed my mind to be mentally renewed in the fact that I can't occupy my current time wasted on what may happen or what could happen with the parent. So I have to mentally focus on my life, my development, my purpose, 
and really write down what is it that I want to hear? Why do I need to hear it? And, 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 and what if I don't hear it? The what if I don't hear it or, or, the, or what if I don't receive what I need to receive is very pivotal for you to process because that's a very uh, a huge possibility. And since that's a big possibility, you have to say, you know what, God, help me to overcome the need of this. Because God, I know for a fact you will supply all of my needs according to your riches and glory. And we think the supplying of our needs is more financial or whatever, but supply all of our emotional and spiritual needs. And God then will supernaturally, through your cooperation, through your venting, through your processing, renew your mind to better understand that, you know what? I love my dad. I love my mom. But maybe I idolize the idea of their opinion. Maybe I care too much. And I don't have time to wait to for a flawed individual to do something that I don't have time to wait for. So I'm going to go in with God and, and let him supernaturally work on me. But writing those things down will help you, Adriana, because then you will see your heart on paper. And when you see your heart on paper, you will begin to see um, some of the residues of possible idolatry, possible insecurities, possible fears, all that stuff will be evident. And then you can take what you see from that paper and give it to God and ask him to supernaturally renew your mind, those areas where you will no longer be uh, uh, um, imprisoned by the opinions of a person or a parent. <clears throat> Good question. Hope to help Adriana and email me just in case you need a little bit more clarification. God had put in my heart to start a Bible study group with the youth in the church, but I have no idea on how to start one. No problem, Elizabeth. Um, um, the good thing about God is that um, he will always bring you to the uncomfortable and um, he'll give you half. He's a detailed God, but sometimes you just say, go start one um, because he knows that you're fully able to do it. Uh, but 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 there has to be some self inventory of, OK, what? This is what I would tell anyone. Let's let's just kind of not erase everything I just said, but let's kind of take it down this journey. Elizabeth, the best thing that you can do is only minister, only engage from your relationship. Only minister, only share from your relationship. My pastor said it all the time <clears throat> in my counseling with him. He would say, never speak on something that you didn't get from your relationship with God and never speak on something that you never experienced. So now if you want to take a youth through a Bible study, first you have to take in um you have to take inventory of your youth and begin to really engage them. Before I even engage in Bible study, I would really just kind of give out a survey and just ask the kids anonymously to submit what are their struggles, what are their fears, what are their concerns, what are they going through, what's on their heart, and begin to study the millennials and the generational Z uh, generation and begin to go to God and say, God, okay, here are the uh, uh, specific needs of the youth in my church. And here are the global needs of their generation. Now, Heavenly Father, what, what, how, what, uh, give me wisdom on the intel of this information, because what would then happen for you is you will begin to see the need. Sometimes we meet a need that they don't have versus meeting the needs they do have. And then God would then take you to scriptures that will help you really begin to set a foundational path that can systematically help them with their issues. I think many Bible studies are not Bible studies. I think Bible studies should be a thorough explanation of God's word and it's and incorporating it with its relevancy in that in your um uh uh I won't call them clients, but in the youth's lives. So that's why I always do systematic teachings with what I do because I like to break it down: problem, cause, and solution. 
<clears throat> so my brain works like that. So where to start for you, Elizabeth, is to do a survey of your youth, do a survey of the youth's parents, get the parents' uh, point of view of what they're going through. I will also do a, um, a, a thorough, um, a, not investigation, but a thorough research on Generation Z and millennials and really begin to pray for them and then the burden that God gives you would then lead you to say, okay, Holy Spirit, I'm going to meet with you and to see how can I systematically help with their individual problem. <clears throat> Don't just have a Bible study that's not relevant. That's not what I mean by relevant. Um, um, relevancy comes from research. When you research, then you know how to be relevant. The Holy Spirit will help you meet specific needs with the relevancy. So it all begins with that <clears throat> research. Reach out, research, and 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 release what God has revealed to you specifically for the young people that you're endeavoring to reach. The best thing that you can start with, if you want something very uh, exegetical, is start with the book of James. James is a short version of wisdom text, and you can do verse by verse and really just go with the students and say, let's start with James 1. And then, but you do the study of James for yourself, understand what exegesis means, meaning going verse by verse. And really breaking down the text, and they can kind, of, and that will, when you do that kind of Bible study, it will kind of build a hunger in the youth for God's word because they'll be able to see, like, wow, this, 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 this text really uh, reaches to my specific need. That's just my opinion, but go to God specifically. You could do a, the Book of James is a good place to start, and the Book of Proverbs is a good place to start because it's day to day uh, wisdom truths that can help them in their everyday life. <clears throat> Hope they help Elizabeth. Greensboro in the house. What's going on, Melina? I just sent you an email as well. Jessica Miller says, hey, coach, is it good to have a spouse list, a list of what you want in a husband? How often should you pray about the list? Uh, good question. What I would do, Jessica, and to, 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 to help you specifically here, there's nothing wrong with having a spouse list, but you got to make sure that the spouse list is, is layered. And what I mean by layered is just not superficial. It's just not the physical things. You have to make sure that you write a list of the things that you want in an individual in comparison to who you are. Most people write a list that doesn't even complement who they are. And the reason why they write lists that don't complement who they are is because they don't even know who they are. When you know who you are, you know your purpose, you will know exactly what you need as a mate. You will know who you need as individual. And then you have to ask yourself the, the, the real question of is, do I match what I'm asking for? So what I mean by that is, there's nothing wrong with writing a list. Write down what you like in a person physically, because God's not a God that's going to give you someone that you do not like, because he knows that um, you have eyes. He knows that you are attracted to what you're attracted to, and God would not set you up with someone that will have you uh, frustrated and, and in and out of attraction. We're not talking about just the basic changes of a person. We're talking about from the get-go, you weren't attracted to. God is not going to give you someone that you're not attracted to. So write down what you want physically. Write down what you need uh, spiritually, uh, mentally, emotionally. Write that list down, and then pray about becoming the match of that list. We're not talking about the physical stuff like height and beard. You don't want no beard if you're a young lady. You don't want no beard. You don't want no you know, uh, manly features. <clears throat> but you want to make sure, okay, God, now make me to be a helpmate to that person. We always ask God for a helpmate to assist us, but we really take the time to see, am I, a, am I useful? Am I a help? Am I a mate that can help? And when we process that, the most of our prayers should not be petitionary, 
Meaning it shouldn't be 90% asking, 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 but 10% of our prayers should be requests while the rest of our prayers should be reaching out to God saying, God, how can I help you? How can I serve you? And reaching out to God saying, God, I thank you for who you are in my life. So gratitude, asking for how you can be in a, a help to him. And thirdly, asking God, uh, uh, letting God know, here are the issues that I've saw in my heart still. Renew these areas in my life. Because if you always pray about a person to God, then it's then it's then the fruit. The often uh, the many times that you do that kind of prove that you're not, probably not content or you idolize an idea of that individual. So what I would do to answer your question specifically is to write everything down about a person that you need. But before you do that, write down who you are and who you need to be. Then you will be able to clearly see who you need to have in your life because many of us ask for things but do not know how to maintain what we're asking for. I'm gonna do a video on how later on, maybe this week or next week, on can you afford the maintenance? Meaning, many people can afford uh, uh, the wedding, but they can't afford the marriage. You see what I'm saying? People can afford the Bentley, but they can't afford the maintenance of the Bentley. People can afford a house, but they can't afford the maintenance. People can pay for a good wedding, but they don't have enough equity or don't have enough reserves in themselves to be able to maintain what they're asking for. You just can't obtain something. You have to know how you must know. How, you must be able to maintain it. So what that means is write the list of who you are right now, the good, the bad, and the ugly. The next list is write down who you need to be and then measure the growth between who you are and who you need to be. And then from that list of who you need to be, write down who you would like to have and give that to God one time because God don't need to hear it from you 50 million times. Go to God and say, God, this is who, this is who the person I like to be. But God, I'm going to give that to you. I'm not going to bother you about that person. I'm not going to bother you about who I would like to have. I'm just going to ask you, God, make me into the person I need to be to best suit this individual. But most importantly, <clears throat> before you don't even think about, don't even go to great lengths of asking God how you can be made. How can you be molded into being a match for the person? Focus more solely on God, make me into the person, mold me into the person that can be best suited to serve you. Why worry about serving a person that you do not have in your life when you could be focused on serving the one who is in your life, who is God? Hope to help. Should I date someone I'm not physically attracted to, but treats me like a queen? Listen, ugly people know how to ugly people and attractive people know how to treat you like queen. The real question you have to ask yourself is why you're not attracted to them? Because listen, you have to be attracted to the person. And I don't want to come off superficial, but you got to look at the overall picture. And what I mean by that is, is saying, okay, why am I not attracted to him? Is it superficial things? Is it because it's slight disattractions or unattractions? <clears throat> or is it major unattractions? If it's major unattractions, then you might just want to be like, you know, uh, he treats him like a queen, but I got to suffer this as loss because don't marry someone because they treat you like a queen because everyone could treat you like a queen in the beginning. You see what I'm saying? But then when you get married to them, they may not treat you like a queen. So you just got to say first and ultimately, Lord, reveal unto me what I need to do. Should I leave or should I cleave? And what I need to do right now is distance myself and don't really um, uh, lead them down or um, uh, what's the phrase? Um, lead them on. Just say, you know what? Let me let me kind of let me kind of uh, leave you where you are, leave this where this is, and really process why am I not attracted to this individual? If it's slight unattraction, 
Then you got to question your heart and really see, are you extremely detailed, extremely superficial or whatever? But if it's drastic unattraction, I wouldn't do it. That's just my opinion. I wouldn't do it because you got to be with that person forever. And if it's a drastic unattraction and you just and you just like, I don't even know why I'm even looking at you. I can't even stomach you. And that sounds bad. We're not talking about, <laughs> well, let me stop that. What I'm saying is that if you're looking at a person like, man, I'm just not attracted to you. It's best to be honest with yourself and honest with them and do not allow because you're a queen, whether he treats you like one or not. And a queen only receives what she knows is best for her. So just because he treats you like a queen doesn't mean you settle for a person that you're not attracted to because you're already a queen with or without him with or without his treatments. OK, and just because a person treats you like a queen now, they may treat you like a peasant later. Hope to help. <clears throat> uh Oh, missed up again. All right, here we go. I have a big decision to make and not hearing from God at all. Feel like he has left my side due to my mistakes, like I'm a failure to him. What do I do? I've been confused and lost for a while. Now, Corey, let me help you with this. God is not the type of God that has mood swings. God is not a moody God. God's not a God like, if you don't do this for me, I'm not going to do this for you. God's not like that. His grace is too, you know, we all, you know the song, if his grace, if his, uh, if, um, if his grace is like an ocean, we'll all be sinking. You know what I'm saying? <clears throat> so what I'm trying to tell you now is that, um, if you're mistake focused, then you will miss out on God on what God is doing. So what I mean is you have to get clarity on God's attributes that he's a loving God. He's a just God. He's a holy God. All these attributes of God. He's near to the broken heart. There's a lot of different things about him that many of us do not uh, know. So what I would advise you to do is to go to Google and write down the attributes of God. Now, most websites give you a long list of God's attributes with scriptures that go with them. What you do then is... <clears throat> Utilize those scriptures to marinate on so that you can renew your mind into seeing God, how he does, does how he deserves to be seen. And that will kind of help you not make uh, 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 determinations of God is this type of individual. Um, sometimes we can put a stamp on a person that we don't know because of what of our previous engagements with other people. So what may have happened with our father, mother, friends, or foe can contribute to how we see God. But God is his own individual. He's his own unique person. And he has attributes that are solely tailored to him that the more we begin to understand him as an individual, the more we begin to understand him as a person, we will then begin to perceive our circumstances differently. Now, with that being said, let's break down your question layer by layer. I have a big decision to make and not hearing from God at all. Chances are um, you're going through a test. Um, and the good thing about any test that you face right now, you have an open book. It's an open book and a, and a tutor test. The Holy Spirit is there and the Bible is there. The things you have to do with all decision making is observe the pressures. Um, what kind of pressure am I feeling? Do I feel God's peace or do I feel demonic pressure or internal pressure? Never be forced into a decision by pressure. Walk into a decision with peace. Now, it doesn't matter what the time frame is of the decision. God will still give you a peace. If you need a decision by tomorrow, what I would do is to say, God, I repent on viewing you improperly. God, I really want to get to know you as you are. Lord, please forgive me for 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 uh, uh, viewing <clears throat> this situation immaturely, Lord, but I need you. And I know you are God that will not withhold any wisdom from me. So, Father, I'm going to praise you that I believe that I received the answer I have for the situation. So what you do is 
you detoxify or you remove the toxicity of worry out of your life through worship and praise. You give to God your need and say, God, I need your peace to surpass all understanding. Heavenly Father, I know that you have wisdom for me, that you said in your word, you would not withhold it from me. So I believe that I receive supernaturally the, the wisdom that I need for this decision. And you go about your life and watch God's voice become louder. Watch decision, decisions become more vivid. The directions become more vivid because now you're removing the negative connotations of I failed him. God's not talking to me because I'm a failure. You went to Google and did your research on God's attributes and it revealed to you that he is not what you're saying he is. Because if you think about your mistakes and you think that you're a failure to him, you ain't going to hear from him because all that stuff is blocking him, blocking, hindering you from hearing him. So now I did a video two days ago. I believe it was Monday on how to hear from God. Watch that video. Watch that video if you haven't yet, Corey. And that video goes in great detail on how to position yourself to constantly hear from God. God is not the author of confusion, bro. He's the author of clarity. If there's any confusion in your life, then there's some type of intrusion in your life. There's some type of demonic intrusion anytime you have confusion. Now you tell those demons where they must go. And you can go to my website right now, imunplugged.com forward slash worksheets, and you can download my book, World War Me, for free. And um, that book will help you in the time span that you have or for future situations. <clears throat> and that's for anybody who's watching live. That book's available for free. Hey, Coach, hope all is well. Thanks for the video. You're so welcome, Aline. Miss Collins, you're welcome. Lo, are you interested back in... Oh, y'all talking to each other? All right, cool. Hey, Coach, thank you so much, Coach. You're so welcome, Adriana. When you get closer to God... Do the test get stronger or will you get tested regardless? You're going to get tested regardless. Things intensify when you on enemy's turf as an ambassador. But the beautiful thing about God is that his peace and his, his presence leads to protection. So the closer you get to God, I think um, two things happen. And it's from both sides. Um, pruning and pressure. The closer you get to God, the more pruning you get because of your assignment. He begins to prune the branch so that you can bear more fruit. The closer you get to God, the more pruning happens, the more growth happens, etc. The closer you get to God, the more pressure you receive demonically because they know that you're growing spiritually. They do not want you to operate in your full authority and in your full ammunition because they know that you will become a threat and sabotage their plans. So to answer your question, yes, the closer you get to God, Chances are the more pruning that you have, the more growth that happens because you're being renewed and the more pressure you receive demonically because they do not want you to become the person that God wants you to be because you'll fulfill your purpose in such a magnitude that will destroy their strongholds in your family lives or in the lives of those around you. So don't count it strange when you go through trials and tests. Don't count it strange when you go through things because that's what happens. What you do is you get stronger in the process. When you understand that you're, that you're in a war, you stay on guard. You grow. But either way, um, God is with you. Josh says, I feel like I'm receiving signs to break over my girl, but also signs to stay together. I'm confused. God is not the author of confusion, bro. So what I would tell you, Joshua, this, bro, <clears throat> is as a man, I would go to her and just say, okay, let me let me make sure I back up a little bit. Okay, because I don't know who you, I don't know the young lady you're dating. Um, The question is, let's start here. Let me help you systematically. Number one, you got to say, what are the signs? The signs um, that you should break up, what are those signs? If you feel like you know deep down in your spirit, man, that the Holy Spirit is saying, break up with that person, break up with that person. Now, 
The signs could be multifaceted. Number one, you got to look at your life and say, is this person a benefit or a detriment to my life? Is this person number two, a benefit or a detriment to my purpose? Let Question number three, is this person a saved or not? That's number one. Is that person following God, bearing fruit, keeping repentance? Is this person a hindrance to my growth in God? Those are obvious signs you need to break up. You know what I'm saying? Those are obvious signs because that person is not a compliment to your purpose. Now you have to then ask yourself, let me get a little bit more soul searching into me. Is it, could it be that, that I'm just indecisive? It could it be that I just need a break from this? What, what are the signs? That's the real question. So if you're receiving signs to break up with her, but also signs to stay together, then chances are for her sake, for her not to be confused as a man, you need to go to her and just say, we need a break. Because what you don't want to do as a leader is not be sure. The, the greatest attribute a man can have in regards, one of the greatest attributes, can't say the greatest, but one of the greatest attributes a man must have in a relationship is certainty. If not, then you should distance yourself from that young lady so that she can be at peace. It's better for you to hurt her this way than to hurt her deeper in. As a man, you can, you got to say, okay, I can't keep you in my life if I'm unsure about you. I'd rather hurt you now the right way than to hurt you the wrong way. Anytime you're uncertain, you got to communicate that. What you do first is go to God. Give yourself a week. <clears throat> Let me give you some practical things. Give yourself a week and say, Holy Spirit, I need you. I don't want to make a decision without you. Like I told the gentleman or the young lady above me, I talked above your question was, Holy Spirit, here are my concerns. What you need to do before you go to God, write all your concerns down. Write down all the signs. Here we go. Here we go. Write down all the signs. Do two columns. A column, three columns, one column of the signs that say you should break up with her. Next column, the signs of why you should stay with her. And three, the signs of, uh, oh, well, forget the third column. Write those two down. And then, oh, this column is your concerns. Go to God with that list and bring them, petition them each before him. Once you petition it one time, close that list, put it away and say, Holy Spirit, or just go right to the Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father, I believe I receive from you. You say and go to scriptures, go to scriptures, go to Google and type in scriptures on lacking wisdom or needing wisdom. You'll get a list of scriptures that talk about needing wisdom. Let me look it up for you right now. Let me help you out right now. Let me go to open, go to openbible.info. Oh, let me, let's go to Google scriptures. Let me do this right now for you. Scriptures, scriptures on needing wisdom. All right. <clears throat> Let me look it up. I'm going to see what my, if my main. Oh, there we go. What does the Bible say about wisdom? Open Bible.info. If any of you lacks wisdom, James 1, 5, what you do? Father God, Heavenly Father, I, I know for it that your word says in James 1, 5, that if any of us lack wisdom, that I can ask of you because I know that you give to us all generously without reproach. James 3, 17, Father says, but the wisdom from above is pure, then peaceable, gentle, open, open to reason, full of mercy, good fruits, and partial sin. So what I would do for you is break this scripture down. Number one, let me meditate on this. It says, if any of you lack wisdom, God, I'm lacking wisdom right now. I'm confused. So Father, I'm glad because of your son, Jesus, I have access to you to ask you for help. 
And I know, and my soul knows that you're going to give this to me generously. So God, I praise you in advance. I believe that I receive from you because I know that in James 3, 17, your wisdom from you is pure, peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits. So right now I know, Father God, because my soul is unsettled, I need your wisdom because your wisdom will be pure. It will bring peace and gentleness to my life. That's how you pray the scriptures. That's how you engage the scriptures because you're telling God, I need you, but I praise you. And my confidence is built in the fact that I know that you would give me the wisdom that I need to do what I need to do. And you go about your life. Give it a week. Be nice to her. Don't, don't send it to her yet. Pray and then tell God, I, I would like to know by this day on Saturday or whatever, a week from now. And I, I promise you, supernaturally, you'll know exactly what to do. And then you'll be able to go to her and say, let's go out to eat. Or I don't think we need to be. Either way, God will give you what you need. He's at the author of confusion. He's the author of clarity. Amanda says, hey, coach, <clears throat> I know for a fact God is telling me to leave the city I'm in and go back home and start over. How do I follow through to do what's right when it doesn't feel good and others say I'm wrong? Let God be true and every man a liar. People want you to stay for their comfort. You know, the best thing to do is to do it. Just, if God tell you to listen, what, what, what? If you stay, if you stay, Amanda, and then you suffer loss and your life ain't progressing, but they're happy, what's the benefit? But if you do what you know that God telling you to do, it doesn't matter what they say, because this is your life and, and you got to do what he says. So if you know, and you, you say, you know, for a fact, if you know for a fact God's telling you, leave. Start looking, start looking for jobs, start looking for a place to stay. Order my steps in your word, dear Lord. Lead me, guide me every day. Send your anointing, Father, I pray. Order my, see what I'm saying? Order my steps, Lord, I'm gone. I don't care what nobody got to say. This is your life. You are. You told me you know for a fact. Then go to the city, or go back. Go back. Yeah, go back to the city, and you follow through by following through. You follow through by being proactive and starting now. Looking for a place, looking for a job, going home and start over. And those people who say anything against purpose, the Bible says, "Let God be true and every man lie." Like you know what? I'm questioning our friendship right now. A real friend, a real person that loves you, be like, oh, God told you, girl, I love you. I'll come visit. I'll come help you pack. That's a real friend. Oh, you, God told you to go? I, that person bring you boxes. That person bring you uh, duct tape. That person's on Google talking about, I found a house. For anybody talking against what God say, don't even trust him. You see what I'm saying? That's what I would do. Hey, y'all, what's up, Daniel from South Africa? What's up, man? Mariel, what's going on, Mariella Patterson? Tanisha Dennis, what, what is the key to controlling your emotions? Ooh. You control your emotions by renewing your mind. The emotions are triggered by the state of our mind. If our mind perceives some certain type of way, emotions will follow. Meaning, if I have a perspective about women or perspective about money or perspective about a people group or a race, if I have allowed my mind to be controlled by exterior or external influences to dictate my perspective about a thing, then those will trigger my emotions. So 
We have to ask, but emotions, let's break down emotions. Emotions are just indicators of a present mood. It just lets you know what you feel presently. Those feelings, though, are triggered by what you think presently. So there's nothing wrong with having zeal. Let's, let's, let's break down some emotions. There's nothing wrong with having zeal. The Bible says, be angry. It's okay to be angry, but he says, don't sin from them. It's okay to be angry, but sin not. So there are going to be things that rise up righteous anger or, or, or disappointment or, uh, or, um, or whatever hurt offense, anger, offense, anger, offense, joy. Let me write these down. Cause I got to break these down. And, and like, where my pen at? There we go. Stuff like this. Let's see. Joy, anger, offense. What was the other one I said? Joy, anger, offense, sadness, um, zeal. There we go. Are all emotions, right? There's more emotion. We're talking about just basic human emotions. There's, oh, uh, love. There's a little bit more, but these are ones that are not contaminated, right? So there are going to be moments where you feel the rushing of happiness, the rushing of anger, the rushing of, of an offense, of being offended, the rushing of sadness, the rushing of love based upon what happened to you. Now, what happens then is you have to, in order to over time be in more control of your emotions, you have to be in control of your mind. You have to allow the Holy Spirit to renew your mind because if your minds are, if your mind is not renewed, your minds will all, your heart will always be rushing. If your mind is not renewed, your emotions will rule you. So what that means is if like a guy the other day um, blew his horn, came around me, cut me off in traffic, it was a white guy. If I was so caught up in black versus whites, then I would be like, oh, this, this white guy. I just it, my mind already has something engraved in my mind. Anything with with, with the um, with the racism, anything with an ism or imist at the end. You see what I'm saying? Chances are any person who has is their issue. They're insecure. So when I'm face to face with a racist, I'm not going to be offended. I'm not going to be upset. Offense may occur, but my mind already has a blocker that says they're insecure. They may have had a bad day. Move on. You got something to lose. I got mental blockers in my mind that keeps my emotions at bay. That's what happens when your mind is renewed. I have things to lose. I got things I got to do. You see what I'm saying? I have things I have to protect. People I have to protect. There, so I, I already got mental blockers in mind that when emotions rise, there's barriers that brings those emotions back to bay because I have mental blockers and barriers in my mind that controls my emotions. If you always are around a, a, a commentary on on antagonist commentary of a people group, then you're going to, you're going to formulate those mental, uh, 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 um, releasers, meaning that if you are caught up in this political war, if you caught up in this racial war, if you caught up in this spiritual debate war, then you are going to allow these speakers or these influencers to develop mental blockers, mental releases in your mind that doesn't keep your emotions at bay. If you notice, if you look at any of my social medias, I never engage with uh, doctrinal debates. I don't engage in political debates. I don't engage in anything because what's the point? <laughs> It's a bunch of people offending people. But if you always, if you overly CNN, overly Fox News, if you overly Republican, overly Democratic, if you overly Obama, overly Trump, if you overly black and pro-black and pro-white, and we're talking about, there's nothing wrong with injustice, nothing wrong with having an opinion, but it has to be rooted in the word. 
You see what I'm saying? I, you know, I'm an I'm a um, citizen of 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 America, but I'm an ambassador of the kingdom. Therefore, I don't I don't get so caught up in all these different things. Most people get so caught up in all these different things and become overly emotional. But nobody has no strong emotions for the kingdom of God. Strong emotions for for everything else, but don't got no strong emotions for the kingdom of God. So what happens is what I do is we don't have cable. We don't we got we, we our household so pure, man, that, that we watch. We allow we allow a dramatized Bible dramatization, dra the dramatized version of the Bible to play throughout our house all day. We got pure flicks instead of Netflix. You see what I'm saying? You know what I watch on YouTube? I watch Undisputed. I watch uh, 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 documentaries. You know what I'm saying? I, and I, I'm always in my word. I'm always around the word. So therefore, I walk through these political, racial, uh, doctrinal war zones peacefully because I'm focused on the kingdom of God and not so much on everything else. Now, that doesn't mean you don't have strong desires and passions for injustice. The, the, just because I don't talk about it doesn't mean I don't do it and I don't help out in my school system. I have strong opinions about injustice in our society and injustice and racism and all that different stuff. But social media is not the place to put it. You see what I'm saying? I put it. I work at. I work at a at a, at a public school. I'm I'm around parents. I'm around people. I'm active in my church. But just because I don't put it on social media doesn't mean I don't have strong opinions about it. But I have stronger kingdom opinions about it that dictates how I think about these strong feelings that I have that keeps my emotions at bay. So how to, let me get to your question real quickly. What is the key control of your emotions? This is what you do. Let's get very practical. I'm always about pen and paper. Get you a sheet of paper. On one side, write down all of your strong emotions. Strong emotions. Second column, why do you have these emotions? Number three, third column, what do I need to, what does the word of God say about me and these emotions or these particular emotions? And then what person, what, what person do I need to, what do I need to do? What mental blockers or barriers do I need to have in my mind to limit the flow of my emotions? Number one, what are my strong emotions and opinions? Why do I have these strong emotions and opinions? And I want you to go deep. I want you to go all the way back to when you was a child. I want you to go all the way back to when these emotional, strong opinions conceived. Then you will see who you need to forgive, who you need, what you need to repent of, because a lot of our strong opinions are rooted in sin. They're not rooted in most of us. We got these strong opinions, but you're racist as well. You, you feminist as I mean, uh, you're uh, you misogynistic and egotistical as well. You got these strong opinions, but if you really look at the bottom floor of your heart, you ugly too. And that keeps me from debating because I, I got I don't got time to worry about. I know what's going on, and trust me, me and my family, my family and, and me, we're moving in the right direction. Silently, we ain't stupid. I am fully aware of what's going on. But you ain't going to feel what I feel about what's going on. You may feel it in my messages, but stuff like that I keep to myself because I'd rather be in the grounds of my own family and my own community making change. So write down how you feel, your strong feelings and opinions. Write down why you have those strong feelings and opinions. Number three, write down what the word of God says about those feelings and opinions. And then strategically through the help of the Holy Ghost, write down how what do i need to intentionally do to have those mental blockers now this is how an example of it if i have strong opinions about about whatever is it because strong opinions about men or strong opinions about women could it be because of what you saw in the household 
Do you need to forgive your dad about what he did to your mom? Do you need to forgive your mom about what he did to your dad that made you have these strong opinions? We're not talking about uh, um, uh, biblical sound uh, 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 injustice solving opinions. We're not talking about that we, because you, you have a peace and a pace. We're talking about when I hear this happen, I'm at the person's throat. I'm upset and I'm three days upset about No, no, no. That's, you got too strong of opinions and feelings about that. I have strong opinions about things, but it ain't so strong that it makes me irrational. You see what I'm saying? And then you write down, okay, what, how do I need, what, utilizing the word of God, what do I need to do to establish mental barriers in my mind so that when happiness, anger, offense, sadness, or zeal, or, or high volumes of love rises, I know through the word of God and the help of the Holy Ghost to ease those things out so I don't become transferring my hope into this thing I think that's my joy or acting off of my anger and now you in jail or you're acting off your anger and now you dead you know what I'm saying or being being offended and getting up in somebody's face and your children are watching or sadness occurs and now you're so deeply sad now you're depressed and or you overly zealous but you're doing things beyond the pace of God and causing more harm than you did help or strong passionate love comes in that you overly help a person that you love. You can have strong love for someone and overly help them. If you love a, a butterfly too much and help that butterfly out of its cocoon, you hindering that butterfly from flying. So those mental barriers, which are the uh, uh, the word of God, will help you begin to really control your emotions because you know what the word of God says. You have a patient, you got the help of the Holy Ghost there, and you know for a fact you know for a fact the consequences that may occur if I do not allow these emotions to run rampant. What keeps me from becoming overly emotional? I have too much to lose. I, I don't want to lose myself in a moment and lose everything that I've built. So I keep myself in every moment so I can keep what I've built. Hope to help. Who good questions. <clears throat> I've had a business idea I've been back and forth with the past couple of years. How do I know if it's God sent? You know it's God sent when you've been going back and forth. The real question is, why are you going back and forth? Are you going back and forth because you feel insecure? Do you feel inadequate? I've been there. When God told me to write my first book, I looked at him. I was like, what? I felt inadequate. You know, there'd be times where I, you know, I feel inadequate in some other things, but I realize greater is he that's in me than anything that's out there in the world, that I am more than a conqueror, that I'm able to do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I began to, uh, uh, um, uh, process what the word of God says about that. And you are well able to start that business. Now, the real question is, does this business match your purpose? If this if this is a purposed business and, and you know, here we go. Thank you, Holy Ghost. You know, something is from God when you have pages upon pages upon pages upon pages upon pages of creative ideas that that you felt flooded through you. You know it's a business that's been given to you by a person when the only thing you could think about is it pays well and it's a great opportunity. If it pays well and it's a great opportunity, it's probably not from God because those are carnal desires. Most people are in business or in professions because it pays well and because it's a great opportunity. No, I'm talking about 
Everything that I've done for God, I've had three to four to five pages of systematic approaches. People, the more I, because I'm a, I understand business a lot, the more I grew into business, I began mission statement, vision. I mean, stuff is coming to me. And next thing I know, I got the whole, not the whole business plan, but the whole business in front of me. And I'm like, only God can give me this. And, and if it's, and if the concern is that, Josh, I just feel inadequate because it's too big, God always gives you things that are too big for you to do. Because if he gave you human-sized dreams, then you won't need God. He has to give you God-sized dreams so you will always be dependent on him to help you fulfill it. You see what I'm saying? So if it's inadequacies, if it's inadequacies about the business, God, build my courage. And the best way to build your courage is encourage yourself. Enter his courage. When he enters his courage, then you'll know for a fact that I know it's a fact, devil. It's a fact that I'm in that I and I may be not knowledgeable. I may be uh, uh uh unable to do this, and I don't have no degree. But because God told me to do this, He will equip me, and He will utilize me to do it. But if it's just something that you just it's a good opportunity and it pays well, that's not purpose. That's not definitions of purpose. That's definitions of 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 the need um to make a money and to be successful it's something about when god wants you to do something you can't sleep it's heavy you got four or five pages written out you got all this if it's that kind of thing go for it in the pace of god uh let's keep going how do i get confirmation from god please no problem you get, uh, I did a video on it. If you haven't seen it yet, right on how to hear from God. It's a very good video, hour and 30 minutes worth of material that will help you with that. But to help you in the moment now, because I know you'll go watch that. Just watch that video. If you haven't yet, watch it and it'll help you. Um, how do you get confirmation from God? Um, Ask him. Ask him and ask the Holy Spirit to increase your awareness. That's what you do. Two things that quick. God, I need confirmation about this. And I know you're good, God. I know you're able. I know if I lack wisdom by anything, you will help me. Because since, God, I know you do, would do that, I'm going to ask your Holy Spirit for help to make me aware of the confirmations. God be confirming. We're just not aware of it because we're blinded by what we're asking for confirmation for. You give it to God one time. You go in praise. You go in peace. And you go into being productive in your day. You go in praise. God, I believe that I received that here from you. You go in peace, knowing that he heard you. You're a son or daughter of God. And you go into being productive about your day and watch the Holy Spirit make you hyper aware of God confirming the things to you. Simple as that. Watch that video on how to hear from God and how to constantly position yourself to hear from God. That video will help you as well. I'm so glad it's a blessing to you, Candy Girl and Jessica Miller. Uh oh. All right, here we go. 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 Uh, man, y'all got a lot of questions. I got about 15 minutes and I'm out y'all's way. Uh, okay. Um, Mariella, Marielle, I'm sorry. Miss Patterson says, how do I stay focused? I'm doing the best I can, but it's hard. <clears throat> I got a course that's available for you for free on my website. I am unplugged.com. It's a course on procrastination. I go into great details about um, how to maintain and sustain focus and not procrastinate. That course got a lot of content there and it's old. So I may have some new points that I may have shared in the last two or three years in the making of that video. Um, but um, watch, join that course, go through it. There's a lot of information there. But for you now, I'll give you some quick things like I did the other person to help, help you stay focused. First off, you have to understand the facts behind distractions. Uh, the thing is, or let's break it down a little bit differently. How do I stay focused? I'm doing my best I can, but it's hard. The best way to stay focused is to remove all distractions. 
And if you can't move the distraction, you move yourself from that distraction to a place, whether it's Starbucks. If that distraction is in your home, then you move yourself from that distraction. If you can't remove that distraction, if it's a person, especially. So you go find you a place where you could be productive. When I was a kid, my mom and I, my mom didn't, we didn't, not a kid, but when I came back from college and I was finishing my book Unplugged and I, and I was writing my book, World War Me, um, I will walk about two or three miles to um, um, Barnes and Noble to write because we didn't have Wi-Fi. And I like to do a lot of research. And since we didn't have Wi-Fi, um, I will walk to Barnes and Noble and I will, and I will also get books off the shelf. What I would do, I would go find books. And this was outside of me writing my book, but just, just because I would go to the business section, I would go to the um, whatever section I was studying on, I'll pull a book and have a notebook and take notes. And then put the book back up because I knew at home that bed is a distraction. That refrigerator is a distraction. That couch is a distraction. See what I'm saying? So I had to remove myself from that place of comfort, walk two and a half miles because what the things you work hard for, you respect. So sometimes uh, back then I was like, man, I cannot be at home. I had to go and remove myself and put myself in an environment of learning. That's what I did. Sometimes you got to put yourself in an environment that will help you focus. Even if home is not helping you focus, you remove yourself from that place of focus and focus. Now, how to really focus. Number one, um, you got to remove all comforts. I've already said that. Let me, let me try, to, try to think if I get an acronym for focus to help you with this. How to increase my focus? I got to get into a deeper fellowship with God and myself. What I mean by that is, God, listen, I, I see, what makes my life so dope with me and God? Let me give y'all insight about me and God. What I do in my life is, is that I have a purpose that requires me. See, I do videos every day, so I have to talk to God every day. I don't do these videos without talking to God first. I don't do anything like this. When it comes to book writing my book, doing these card games, doing these videos, I meet with God every day. I need my creative sessions with God. That's why this stuff be coming out so amazing because I know that the more I fellowship, I have to fellowship with God because of what I, the fruit that I want to bear in my life and the fruit that I want you to have in your life. So the best way to increase your focus is to say, number one, I'm going to increase my fellowship with God. I'm going to increase my fellowship with myself. And then I'm going to set desired outcomes or desired fruit that I want out of my life. And then that will give you a distaste, not a distaste, but it will give you the right ability to determine. It will give you a stronger fervor. Oh, another F, another F. It will give you a stronger fervor. It fervor starts with F, right? Fervor starts with, it don't definitely start with no V. Fervor starts with an F. It will give you a strong fervor to say, I ain't watching this. I ain't doing this because you ain't about to keep me from bearing this fruit in my life. Okay? So increase your fellowship with the Father. Increase your fellowship with yourself. Set desired fruit outcomes you want out of your life. And watch that automatically build fervor in you that will make you be like, I can't watch this because I need this fruit in my life. You got to have a, a stronger reason. You have to have a big why. In order to do what you need to do, you have to have a strong why that pulls you to do what you need to do. So I gave you four F's there. I was going to go down to where it focused, but, you know, that was going to take a lot of brain power. And, uh, and I wanted to give you those F's. That's what will help you stay focused. You have to have a fervor in you that helps you to stay faithful. Ooh, 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 look at that other F. Thank you, Holy Ghost. 
During fast, my temptations are a lot stronger. That's that's mean that va- oh sorry, mean Vaseline. That's 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 normal. During fast, my temptations are a lot stronger. That it feels impossible to bear. I always end up giving in to greed and sexual immorality. How can I effectively fast and withstand strong temptation? <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> what I would tell people is that you're gonna fail before you succeed. You are gonna fail before you succeed. But in order to succeed, you have to learn from your failures. Ooh. A successful person knows that before they succeed, they're gonna fail. But in order to up their success count, they have to learn from those failures. <clears throat> so what you gotta do is say, okay, during my last two to three fasts, here are the things that cause me to fall. And these are the things that contribute to my failures. Now, what do I need to do the next time God calls me into a fast? What adjustment do I need to make? It's that simple. Learn from your failures. Don't get frustrated by your failures. Don't, don't go get downcasted and downtrodden by your failures. Learn. Coach, I win and learn. I don't, I don't never lose. Even on the basketball court. No, I didn't lose. Even though I lost, I didn't lose. I'm learning from those losses. So when next Monday and Sunday comes, I get buckets. You see what I'm saying? So my mentality is I never look at myself as a loser. I don't see loss. I see learning opportunities. So when you failed in your past fasting, audit, assess what you did wrong, what contributed to it. And then before you go into the next fast, humble yourself before God and say, God, here is where I failed before. Here are the adjustments I'm making, and I'm trusting that you'll supernaturally sustain me. Then over time, you will see that you'll be fasting more effectively. Hope that helped. How do you know if you are saved or born again? You have fruit with bearing with repentance. You have fruit of salvation. Let me break it even more down to you, Nick. You know you've been born again when you have two natures in you. Those who are born again only have one nature. Those who are born again have two natures. And what I mean by that, you have a part of you that out of nowhere desires to be better. While they're still warring with the person that desires to be the same. That's fruit of salvation, that you have a new nature being born. You have a new nature growing in you. And you have a deep remorse for your sins. That when you make a mistake, it's not no, oh, I'm okay. But there's something about you. Because when you're in a relationship with someone, if you really love them, the slightest thing you do to them bothers you. So when you have been reborn into a relationship with the Heavenly Father, there's, there's number one, you begin to see, I have another nature. You have a new, rena- let's start with the R's. You have a renewed nature being born. Number two, you have remorse for your sins. Number three, you have a willingness to allow your mind to be renewed, meaning you want to get better. Number four, you have a desire to reach out to God and you have a desire to reach out to a people to help them grow in their life. That's fruit and repentance that you really genuinely have remorse for your sins and that you desire to have your mind renewed so that you can be a better representative. So that you can be a better representative for the kingdom of God. That's fruits of salvation. Number one, what did I say? I forgot. Number one. Oh, man, this is going to get good. Holy Ghost, I know you're going to bring it back to my memory. I believe that I received. The first R, man, what was that what I said? What I just say? Hold on, I'm getting it. Hold on. Oh, hey, 
you have a renewed nature being born in you. You begin to have a, there's something new in me that doesn't want to be like the old me. You have a remorse for your sins that you like, man, I, God, I know I can do better. I don't want to be like this anymore. You repent for those sins deep with deep remorse. Like, God, I just, I, I want to do better. You are willing to have your mind renewed. You have a strong desire to reach out to help people and to help the kingdom of God. And you desire to be a better representative of God. You just want to be a better representative. Those are all fruits that you've been saved, but you couldn't, you didn't do that on your own merit. You did it because of God. And the next R is you are, you are becoming more aware of who you are as the righteousness of God. That you are sealed. That's 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 number one. And that righteousness may, may not come until a little bit later because your mind has to be renewed of that. So number one, your renewed nature is being born. Number two, you have remorse for your sins. You're repenting from your sins. You desire for your mind to be renewed and you see fruit of your mind being renewed. And then you become deeper aware of your righteousness that helps you to rule yourself and your positions better. And you reaching out to people to help them and you become a better representative. Yep, there we go. How do you know what God is calling you to do and how to bring a non-believer to Christ? Good question, Lauren. Number one, how do I know that God is calling what God is calling me to do? When you can't shake it. I can't shake this book out of my mind. I, I know this is what God wants me to do. I can't shake it. And we're not talking about like a pressuring, pessimistic, not pessimistic, but pressuring present. No, we're just talking about this is exactly what I want you to do right now. You can't shake it. That's the simplest I can make. You can't shake it. You know what you need to do. It's the things that are inside of us and outside of us that cause us not to do what we need to do. We know deep down inside. I know God wants me to start this business. I know God wants me to write this book. I know God wants me to sing this and rap this or whatever. I'm not talking about me, but just whatever you may be doing. I know God wants me to develop this and do this or reach out to this person. You know that it's something God wants you to do when, number one, you can't shake it. And number two, everything is trying to keep you from doing it. Internally, externally, excuses. Well, uh, then you know that's what you need to do. And how do you bring a believer to Christ? You bring a believer to Christ after the Holy Spirit has told their heart. So what I never do, <clears throat> there's two things that I do. I'm not strong in just randomly walking up to people. I only go where the Holy Spirit sends me because I know for a fact that he has to toil the ground first. What we be doing sometimes, we be going like salesmen. Hey, do you know Jesus door to door? I don't do door to door uh, Christianity selling. I don't do that. What I do is I just, I just live my life. And when God brings someone into my life, I know that I'm either planting a seed or I'm watering. You see what I'm saying? But I don't care about, I don't concern myself about the increase. Don't, one thing about reaching people and God utilizing you to help a person, you just, you just plant the seed and you water. God gets the increase. I, I used to be the type of guy, how's the increase coming? And I'm trying to contribute to the increase and I'm burnt out because I'm not responsible for the increase. What I do is, that's why my publishing and my ministry ultimately is called Casting Seeds. All I do is cast the seed out there through videos, through books. And, and 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 for those book, you know, whatever I cast a seed out there. Here's some books. Here's some courses. Here's some quotes. Here's some here's some stuff. Here I'm cast a seed, and that's all I'm doing. The rest is on God. And if when watering seed, casting seed is the giving off of something. You cast seed through books. You cast seed through your life. You cast seed through your words. People are hearing what God is doing in your life. That's casting seed. Watering seed 
is when a person is, and God has brought them to you into more of a personal mentoring discipleship relationship. And now God is utilizing you as a, in a category of friendship, a um, partnership or relationship or whatever to water that seed. You see what I'm saying? My wife and I, we constantly plant seed and water seed in each other. You see what I'm saying? Because I'm learning from her and she's learning from me. But it's beautiful to watch God supernaturally bring the increase. And that limits you from being overly zealous and overly burdened trying to save someone that you don't have the power to save. You contribute to salvation, but you don't birth salvation. Number two, God is the doctor. You're the nurse. So all you do is assisting what he has to do. And stop and not trying to do what he needs to do. So how you bring a non-believer to Christ? Be an example. Be an example. Let them see God working your life. And in them and in their observation, if they come to you, know that Christ has toiled their heart first. And now you can give them the joy and the hope that's within you. Hope they helped. Last one, I gotta go. How can I become a better steward of my finances coming from a background and family history of a lot of debt? Now, I want to be a good steward because I will soon get married and want to be the provider. I'm guessing you are a gentleman. So let me give you a <clears throat> standpoint from a man. Um, You got to take baby steps. First off, you got to be a generous giver. See, for me, I give 12%. I give above 10%. You know, I don't get into the tithing debates. I just know for a fact that, you know what, I'm going to give 12. I'm going to give 13%. Sometimes I give 15%. I just know I want to be generous. I don't, you know what I'm saying? I want to be a generous person. So first you have to observe your generosity. You have to also observe your or your stewardship of your own dollar, right? So what I do is um, I look at my expenses. I look at my income. I look at my expenses and I look at my enjoyments, right? This is, this is as a husband, pretty much, bro, <laughs> you're going to get scraps. You know what I'm saying? Because you're a provider. Providers, God is my provider, therefore I provide. So first off, you just got to say, okay, in your single life, you have to say, okay, here's my income, here's uh, uh, my expenses, and here's what's left over. The real question is what you do with what's left over. What I did with what I, with what I was left over, I reinvested it because I took care of all my expenses. You see what I'm saying? And I took uh, my, I made enough income to take care of my expenses. Whatever was left over, I gave to God. I, what I mean by that, I took care of of being generous, right? Don't get me wrong, I'm generous. So my money is deciphered. But after after I've taken care of of my church, after I've taken care of my personal life, after I've taken care of of of, of any other general generate generous uh, endeavors, whatever I have left over, because all this is from obedience to God, right? He wants me to be a generous giver. He wants me to take care of my expenses. He don't. He doesn't want me to rob nobody. He wants me to owe no man nothing but love. So now you make a debt elimination plan off of that scripture. Owe no man nothing but love. And say, Holy Spirit, how can I with this excess, either one or two things, either make this money work for me, make, make this money make more money for me, and utilize this money to eliminate debt. So what I do is, right now I have 10 revenue streams. 10. Okay. I'm so glad I utilized my singleness to create, uh, how many, before I got married to my wife, I had six books, I had six books, YouTube, um, six books, YouTube, um, six books, YouTube, um, six books, YouTube, two card games. So six books, YouTube, two. So that's nine, a job. That's 10. We're talking about active 
you know, t-shirts wasn't going to sell that much back then. So I had 10 revenue streams before I get married. So throughout my month, I'm getting residual checks that contributes because I like when my money makes money for me. And God has given us the ability to get wealth. We're not talking about no prosperity thing, but hear what I'm saying. What I mean by wealth, I mean being able to be a contributor to the kingdom of God and a generational wealth provider. The Bible says, think about your children's children. How do you think about them? It's establishing generational wealth that you can pass down to not make them spoiled brats, but to make sure you don't have to go through stupid stuff that you had to go through. So as a single man, you have to constantly be thinking about the life you would like to have. Not We're not talking about super rich and trying to be a baller. We're talking about the life that you need to have to take care of a family, to think about your children's children, and to be a financier and a contributor, whether through gift giving or through giftings to the kingdom of God. See what I'm saying? So when you have that mindset, you will take that excess amount of money and always bring it before God. I, I, now, don't get me wrong. You got to eat. We're talking about out of all the expense, whatever's left, say, God, what? how can I turn these two Benjamins? <laughs> how can I change these Franklins and these oh, Benjamin and Benjamin Franklin, same person? How can I pray, change these Alexanders and these Benjamins into more to more? How can I multiply these things? And God would be like, do this, do that. And your money start working for you. Right now, I'm working on another book, which will make that um, working on two books, another children's book and another book. So that makes it will be eight books total. I'm working on two more card games, which means one, two, three, four. That's 12 revenue streams offer intellectual property. If you want to advance the kingdom's property and your own property, God will give you intellectual property. People be wanting external property first. Lord, Lord, give me houses and vineyards that know that I didn't build. God, give me more. God going to be like, occupy this land first. How can you take care of the land outside if you don't take care of this land first? God has given you intellectual property that will lead you to being ruler over multiple external properties. That's why I be telling y'all, man, y'all better get with God and have creative meetings with him daily. Because these books I'm giving y'all, these card games I'm giving y'all are gems. Listen, I create stuff. I only want to create stuff that will outlive me and impact people beyond me. You see what I'm saying? If you don't take care of intellectual property as a single man, you won't be able to provide a family with external properties later on. You'll be in debt to somebody working out. You'll be toiling somebody else's property. You'll be in debt and, 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 and borrowing and all that stuff, property from others versus saying, I'm going to be ownership. So right now what we do is, Everything excess, I give the God, God, we're going to do with this. It's that simple. Hope this uh, helped you guys. I know, I know. And I see a long list of questions. Wow, 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 wow. Hmm. Hmm. Man. Hmm. Let me, let me answer uh, two more. Let me answer two more. Let me answer two more. Let me answer two more. How do I get over someone that I've had a crush on for a long time, but that person doesn't even know me? I have prayed many times for God to help me with it, but it doesn't go away. Um, it doesn't go away because we're probably praying wrong. When you have a crush on somebody, we're praying to God to remove that person, but we didn't ask God to remove the idolatry or the conception of that thing. Most crushes, most crushes when it comes that way, can can there's a conception to why there's 
these strong feelings. Anytime you have a strong feeling for a person, anytime you have a strong feeling for something, and it could be the right thing, but when there's a, a strong feeling, then you have to always consult your heart. So if you've have had a, have had a if you have had a crush on someone for a long period of time, and and you feel like man, I just don't feel like this getting off of me, then you're asking God to help you with the symptoms and not the source of the problem. So what you have to do is say, why do I have these strong feelings for this person? Are there any things in my past that be that could be contributing to me having a strong feeling for this individual? And if so, Holy Spirit, make revelation of that to me. Because God is not in the business of treating symptoms. He's in the business of treating the source. So if you always pray to God to heal you from the symptoms, you're going to really, you ain't going to get an answer. But if you ask God to help me for the source of why I have this concern, then God will have you become self-reflective and the Holy Spirit will come and illuminate the areas that are, that are decaying in your heart. And you will do a thorough cleaning of that area, removing it and watch the symptoms go away. Or watch your feelings mellow out. You see what I'm saying? So don't go to God saying, God, help me to get over this person. Help me to get over this person. No, no, no. God's going to be, be self-reflective. God's going to be like, look inside of your heart. Why do you like this person so strongly? Do you idolize the idea of love? What's, what, 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 is this demonic attachment? Is this lustful attachment? Is this insecure attachment? Is this uh, um, whatever? And then let the Holy Spirit over time help you with that core source issue. And then you'll watch your feelings subside about that person or the symptoms fade away. So how do I get over someone that I've had a crush on for a long period of time? Person doesn't even know me. Don't even think about them. And how you don't think about them is thinking about you and thinking about thinking about God, thinking about you, thinking about your purpose. That's what you do. If you if you if, if you got to, OK, this is what you do. Carry a little small notebook with you. <laughs> And, and I would I, just a sheet of paper, a little, little whatever, and write down every time you think about that person. Just go about your day and just say, man, I thought about this person 26 times a day. Write down how many minutes you thought about them. And then really look at yourself and be like, man, I'm, I'm wasting too much time on a person that I don't even know I like them. I need to occupy this extra, extra time with something productive. I'm telling you, purpose is everything. Purpose will put everything in perspective. When you know the person of God, you know yourself. When you know yourself, you know your purpose. When you know your purpose, you know what to select and not select in your life and not what to give your energy or your focus. Calls you to remain faithful in the prize and the high calling, which is to become uh, who you need to be for the advancement of God's kingdom. I have prayed many times for God to help me with it, but it doesn't go away. It doesn't go away because you're treating the symptom and not the source. Ask God to reveal to you the source on why this symptom is in your life. And the Holy Spirit will reveal the bad, the dark and ugly areas of your life that could be and possibly is are contributing to why you are who you are or, or why you're doing what you're doing. Last question. I'm done. Please tell me why most Christian beliefs believe believes belief says that you should wait on the Lord for a mate and not date. Yet in order to get to know someone is encouraged today. Struggling with that. Great question. And I'm gonna end on this one. The concept of dating is putting it in your own hands and not in the hands of God. You date his mate for you. You don't date to find his mate for you. Woo. You date his mate for you and only get to know that person. You don't date to try to find your mate. You date his mate for you. That's going to change your whole perspective because 
you do. You don't you don't find the one by going out and doing it. You find God, you follow God, you follow, fulfill your purpose. And in the process, you will be able to find his mate for you. Everything God has for us, he will deliver it. So to encourage you, I believe, and this is this is just common sense for those who believe in God, is that you only need to date the mate he has for you because you'll waste time trying to find his mate for you. And if you go in your own strength to try to find God's mate for you, you're going to waste your time distracting yourself from doing what you need to do. You see what I'm saying? The reason why Adam was able to be joined with Eve was because he finished his assignment of his single years and he was at rest. If you're restless, then you're not going to be able to receive. If you're restless, God is not going to send it your way. You got to allow yourself through contentment to be at rest in his rest, trusting that he will bring that person in his perfect timing. And you don't have to waste your time <clears throat> to try to make his timing manifest because God is not going to budge his timing because you're desperate or because you upset or because you want it. So what I will advise everyone to do is to only to only date the mate that God brings your way and don't try to find God's mate going your own way. Now, that's because I'm a teacher. Let's break that. How do you know that person is your mate? Number one, that person <clears throat> um, uh, matches the purpose in your life. Let's even get a little bit deeper. You know that person is for you when you weren't even looking for that person. That person supernaturally came into your life, and it was and, and that person match matches or complements who you are, your purpose, and you know for a fact there will be, there There has been evidence of confirmation that proves that, like even in my marriage right now, God is still confirming that she's my wife. And people are like, why do you still need confirmation? My next book is on confirmation. And I can't give you the title because the title is so dope. Because there, I mean, we're humans. God has to continuously confirm it to us because we're humans. There's going to be bad days. There's going to be frustrations in marriage. And God's going to continue to confirm, not because uh, just automatic confirmations, just by being around each other. Oh, that confirmed it. God doesn't always confirm things by pushing the confirmation burden, confirmation button. Boop, boop. No, God's saying when you are in my will and you in my purpose, things would just automatically scream to you. Confirm you. People like, does God always speak? God always speaks when you in his will because his will will be his uh, His voice letting you know you're on the right path. It's not God saying you're on the right path. You're on the right path. You're on the right path. That's not what he's doing. What he's doing is the fact that you in his will, the fact that you in his purpose, things will continue to confirm it, etc. And that's what you need to make sure. You know that person is, the, is yours for, for real, for real. When you know for a fact, hey, man, only God can make this happen. Only God can do this. God brought my wife to me. I remember when she came for the first time to my Bible study and I was stuttering over my words. She walked in the room. Her friend brought her to my Bible study. There's like four or five people there. She walked in. She had on a, a white um, flowy dress and she had on a tank top and whatnot. And I think her hair was, see, see what I'm saying? Everything's very vivid. She had a ponytail. Uh, no, did she have a ponytail, Lord? She had crinkle hair. She walked in. As soon as she walked in, I stuttered in my message. I was preaching. She walked in. I, was like, I, I, I started stuttering. And I said, well, let, 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 let us pray. Let's pray. I blamed it on some devils. <laughs> I'm like, well, let's just pray because we got we to gotta refocus, refocus. 
And even though I can remember those moments, there was there was moments where I needed confirmation to keep me going. But 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 you need confirmation because there's going to be moments where you're going to question. But God needs that. So only date the mate that God has for you. Do not go on your own. Don't try to go out there and be on a, a reality television show finding my mate. You see what I'm saying? God knows how to bring that person at the right time. Usually that person comes when you're not thinking about them. Everything in life worth having from God, usually, most things usually come when you're too preoccupied doing something else. I was preoccupied doing ministry. She came, she came in when I, in my purpose, in my productivity. And was there, so the thing about this, but we didn't get married until I was at rest. Ooh. Even though. She was in my life. God did not allow us to get married until I was at rest. That's important for us men to understand. Do not run into a marriage if you're restless. But this is for everyone that's out there dating. Don't waste your time. Don't even waste your time. You waste your time dating now, yeah. That's 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 insecurity. That's that's uh pride. You know what I'm saying? That's idolatry. Um, wisdom is I'm going to stay focused on my purpose. I'm going to keep doing what God wants me to do. And God's going to bring. See, that's where I'm at in my life right now. People say, what's next for ministry? When next, when the next thing for ministry comes, when people used to ask me, why are you, why are you not really trying to push your brain? Why? I'm like, man, promotion doesn't come from the East or West. It comes from the most high. You see what I'm saying? Like, so I don't get so caught up on, I go with the flow with God because I know he'll bring it to me. And if you, you got to get into a place of contentment because contentment is the best place to be. And a lot of people are so dis, discontented, they don't really trust God. Therefore, they go out there and do it themselves and mess themselves up. So learn it. Listen to me. Uh, learn from me. Learn from what I had to go through. I, right now in my life, I ain't pursuing nothing but him. And in my pursuit of him, everything will pursue me. You pursue God, things pursue you. You pursue things. You mismanage things. Love you all. Hope y'all been blessed by this podcast. Um, uh, this quick QA. I may, I always say I may do another one. Um, it depends on what my weekend looks like. If you want to learn more about what I do, go to Iamunplugged.com. If you want one-on-one coaching, if you if your question wasn't answered, but you want to talk to me one-on-one, you could book a one-on-one session with me. Just send me your budget. I'll customize a coaching session for you. You'll be on the phone with me sometime this week or next week. It's that simple. If you want to talk to me, you got questions, you got you need some coaching, go to my website, IamUnplugged.com. Go to the custom coaching tab. You can just send, answer, the, answer the questions, send your budget, and we'll make it happen. You can ask anyone on here. I got uh, three or four of them in, in the chat right now that I've coached. They'll let you know about the experience and you can, uh, whatever your budget is, we'll make it happen. It'll be customized according to that budget because we have a lot of people coming in, but I would love to support you. I'll be extending it all the way to August 31st. August 31st, I'll be coaching and I'm talking to my wife about opening a couple of weekends every month beyond that until next summer to coach people too. So uh, as for now, every day is available except for Mondays, Fridays, and Sundays. So I kind of removed those three days. So Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays, I'm available to coach. All the other days I set aside for uh, family and all that kind of stuff and just ministry. Um, but if you want coaching, man, get it now because August is going to book up. And then once August is done, those weekends going to fill up like that because I know I just know those weekends going to fill up because only two weekends out of the month. Love you all. Y'all be blessed. If you want to give, you can give. If you want to, um, I uh, got plenty of books and resources online. All this stuff is available. 
Um, school is starting pretty soon. So if you want to give to our mentoring program, we need your support because we're going to be in two schools this year. We're going to be in my elementary school. We're going to be in the in the middle school that's con uh, um, connected to us. So we need your financial support. We know God's going to supply. But if you want to join in and partner with us, uh, we believe that God will add favor in your life by doing so. If you want to be a part of what God is doing in my wife and I's um, um, mentoring program, uh, with the kids, you can contribute that way. Love you guys. Everything's at imunplugged.com. Y'all be blessed. See y'all next time. Peace.